Welcome to our first podcast, Yogi Horsewoman. Our special guest today is a very dear friend of mine, Corin Aulik. And without her guidance and support and teachings, I might not be where I am today. Yoga and horses kind of brought us together. And just a little story about that. Several, many years ago, I was looking for a horse um, to do yoga with. And I was traveling around, checking different horses out and really wasn't finding what I wanted. And one American couple up in the Santa Ana area who had some Peruvian pasos asked me, but what are you looking for in a horse? Well, I said, I'm, you're not going to really understand, but I'm looking to practice yoga with my horse. And they said, oh, really? We know someone else who does that with their horses too. This is incredible. You have to meet her. So they gave me her telephone number and I called her up almost, I mean, that same evening, I called you up, Corinne. And I said, we have to meet. We have to do something together. I don't know you. You don't know me, but we have to meet. And that began kind of our story together. And since those many years ago, we've created a lot together from hosting our first yoga teacher trainings, where Corinne was our teacher, to creating our yoga and harmony with horse retreats, and then on to our equine yoga teacher program to certify enthusiasts to become equine yoga instructors themselves. Corn has always believed in me, pushing me always further and making me dare step out of my comfort zone. For me, she is a woman of truth, of loyalty, of support, and I admire her with all my heart. So let me introduce you to this accomplished yoga horsewoman and let her share her stories with us. So, Corinne, thank you for sharing your time with us today. Really, I am super happy to have you here and super honored to begin this podcast of Yogi Horsewoman with you. <laughs> so let's begin. So what would you like to share with us? Well, I think first, namaste, Terry, to you and, and to everyone. Yeah, I, I have to say, I love the story of how we met because I will say I was on a, a, a very different spiritual path in, some, in many ways than Terry was when we first met. And so when I got her phone call, I said, who is this person? <laughs> right. Who is following me? <laughs> because although we were both following that path of yoga with horses, um, I, I wasn't on the same spiritual path at that time as Terry. So I didn't really know what was going on. And I remember she asked me to come down for uh, one of her first uh, yoga with horse retreats, Yoga and Harmony. And I thought, this woman doesn't even know me. We haven't met. She knows nothing about me. But it was wonderful. Wonderful. From the first time, I think it I just, was seven. Mm -hmm. No, it I just I just trusted my gut feelings. I just knew it had to be. It wasn't a coincidence. Yeah, well, see, that's where Terry was on, you know, was much more evolved than me on her spiritual path. Because <laughs> I just had, I was just really excited and say that it's another adventure. It's very open, but I had no idea what was going to happen. But it has been wonderful. Uh, I have learned so much from Terry, and ever so often, uh, she gives me a lot of guidance and wisdom too. Not only in in my relationship to my horse, but also in, in how in how I relate to myself, to students, and how I teach. Because as I say, Terry has come from a different spiritual path and evolution and I've learned a lot from her and that's something that I carry in my heart all the time 
Uh, it's been a mutual journey of experience and adventure together that honestly, it's, it's led to so many different things, meeting so many different people through what we, what, what we put out there together um, and the people that came to us. I mean, wow, what a trip, truly. Yeah. So I just, what was your, what came first in your life, yoga or horses? How did you begin a little bit talking about yoga, how you began that, and then how you began with horses? It, it, it was sort of a back and forth thing. Um, my youngest daughter, from when she was four or five, wanted to learn how to ride horses. But I knew nothing about it. And she was so tiny that I waited until she was seven to actually get her enrolled in a horseback riding class. And then I thought, this is really dangerous. I better learn too. So that's <laughs> how I had my first experience with horses. I was so nervous. I had diarrhea every single day before my class. I was so <laughs> nervous about the whole thing. Uh, yoga, I've been doing it on and off since I was pregnant with my first child, actually. I just got a book and I started reading it. And from book learning, I first started my yoga practice. Um, and then they sort of started to dovetail. And when I would learn more wisdom from one practice, it would supplement and open the window for another thing in the other practice. And they, they, and they to this day, they keep going like this, interlapping over one another. Yeah, the union of yin and yang, this union of horse spirit and human spirit, our physical bodies, how, how that also, how we find that relationship with our own physical bodies and our breath and that with the horse, it's constantly overlapping each other. Constantly, this connection is always there, so similar, whether it's from the physical part of yoga or from the spiritual part of yoga, it just kind of entwines all the time, doesn't it? Yep, yep. I remember with Kieran, because she's also a yogi, in an in a energy healer now. Uh, when we were riding horses and she was really getting into um, dressage training and we both looked at each other and we really, really said, oh my gosh, you, you want to have the same calm stillness in your body during a yoga practice as you do when you are communing with your horse. Whether you're communing with your horse in a more natural state, which Terry really is, uh, is a great teacher of how to have a natural relationship, a true bonding with your horse, or whether you're doing it in, uh, back in those days, it was more training and understanding the language of the horse, but from an energetic point of view also, that the yoga and the horsemanship really came together then. That example of you said with dressage, I mean, dressage in itself is a dance and union as well between the horse. When you see those great masters in dressage, not what we see maybe on an everyday um, way, but when you see those masters who are completely at one with their horse, the union is complete. The, the aids are the lightest. Everything is with the breath, with the subtle movements and with their inner spiritual connection. And some of the masters of these masters, they sometimes they don't really can't explain it or teach it to other. They're just gifted like that. But I found that our practice of yoga and when we practice with a horse, this gives us the tools this gives us the tools how to connect with our horse at that level. And then the dance can begin whether we're doing dressage or whether we're just having fun and playing with our horse in the arena, Liberty, or walking with the horse. It just all of a sudden that connection is there. Yes, yes. I remember before I had really, I mean, I had a yoga practice, but I hadn't um, really studied the science per se. And people will come up to me, uh, you know, when I was riding and they go, no, think it here first. Think walk, think trot, think canter. Because it doesn't matter if you're sitting or if you're standing up in, in your stirrups. If you think it first, 
The body will follow, the energy will flow, and your horse will understand. You know, and at the time I was doing it, but I didn't understand what was happening. But now I agree with you what you say. To me, some of the greatest horsemen, uh, horsemen, men and women are yogis because they're in the present moment at each moment. They are so clear, such clear thinking without distracting thoughts or or distracting emotional thought patterns. They're in the moment at, at each second as the horses naturally. And that's that, that beautiful dancer union that you talk about. Uh, yeah, it's an, it's amazing. And I find every time that we, we enter that space with our horse, something new happens, some new experience, or I like, I think feel as like that horse is in my head all the time. He knows what I want, want, want him to do, or, or he's in my head telling me, go get the food bin open. I want my dinner. Like they're right in your head. It's amazing. Yeah. But I think it's because we're connecting more also at that subtle energy level where intuition just happens and telepathy and horses are naturally like that. That's how they, they live together with their instincts. They're very, very in touch, right? With their intuition. They're very grounded. Their every breath, they're very, they're very sensitive to the differences in breath. And that's how we can also help to, to influence our horse and to help them or to communicate with them. Yeah. So I liked you, you talked about how you came to horses and how did you come to yoga? Uh, fear. I was, <laughs> I was pregnant with my first child and I had been a runner and very active in those kind of things, those activities. Uh, but then all of a sudden you're pregnant you gotta, you have to think about delivery of the baby. So I thought, oh, I better make sure my hips are open. Literally, that was my thought. <laughs> so I got a book out on Hatha yoga, but then I really enjoyed the practice, even though I didn't know exactly what I was doing. Um, and and then I, I bought another book, actually Bikram's um, Yoga. And this is before he, you know, had his, his problems. But, his, but it doesn't negate um, the wisdom that I read uh, uh, in his yoga book. I have to say his, his current problems. Uh, so that's how I got into yoga. And then my, my youngest daughter uh, was doing a yoga class in college. And she told me about it and said she's going to do her first yoga teacher training. I said, me too. So we joined and we did our first yoga teacher training together. Then we did our second in yoga teacher therapy in India together. Um, and then I went on that very same year to go into advanced yoga teacher training. Wow, that's really interesting. And um, when it occurred to you when you, you, you had your horses, so you, you had your own horse. I'd love you to hear your story about your first horse, too, and how you, you came together and how your first riding classes and experience happened, if you'd like to share that story with us. Um, you know, the, I had, I've been taking horseback riding lessons in many different places in the, in the Central Valley of San Jose. The first time I took it was with Alfredo, a Cuban man. And he just, he just had us get on the horse. My stirrup fell off and he's saying, don't fall off. I go, what, what am I doing? The stirrup just came off the saddle. Then he gave me um, a tree branch and told me to hit the horse with the tree branch. You know, we didn't have crops or anything. It was weird. And then the very first day we were jumping over rusty barrels. So that was my first experience with horses. And I thought, okay, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. <laughs> So then I said, let me find another teacher. And so with each successive teacher, I learned, I learned more about what I wanted to know. 
about what kind of a connection I wanted. And after doing a little bit of the competitive circle with my daughter also, I realized that no, I do not want to have a horse as merely a tool for competition. And then, um, like you see, like, like, like how we met, a friend of a friend of a friend told me there was a horse up, up here in, in Escazú. So I went to see him and, and Davina, she was half dead. She already had cancer on her nose. She had three big puncture wounds here. And there was immediate connection. And I just said, I'm bringing this horse home. I didn't tell my husband. He didn't know for a couple of days that I had a horse. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> let him know. Oh, no. I, I kept the horse in the, in the field down below. When he would go to work, I'd bring the horse up. Oh, you're so. kidding. Um, <laughs> So oh, I'm so sorry. We got done and then we get stuck, but it's okay. You're back. So that's how uh, I can't even remember the original question, but that's how I got my first, my first horse. And she, she taught me everything about, about myself. She taught me everything about myself that I then built on because the circumstances were such that she taught me compassion and courage, perseverance, and how to look inside myself for the wisdom that I needed to have a connection with her. Right. And yeah, I think there was an, that other story that you told me about when you went to Caranya for your lessons at the beginning and you didn't have a oh. saddle. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, these, I think these are beautiful stories to okay. tell people, you know, if you have that dream of, of wanting a horse and wanting to live with a horse and have a friend, it's always possible. Whatever your finances are ways, there's ways to find. And your story, I think, can, um, you know, give a lot of hope for people who think it's just a dream because dreams do come true, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, so La Carana is, is a big, a big stable here and they have a lot of the national team for Costa Rica used to ride under, oh, sorry. You know what? Something just came up on my screen. Let me get rid of it. It's okay. No. Exit. Uh, so anyway, so I was at this big stable. I didn't know anything about, about horses. So I went there and I was always just riding bareback. And so this woman who I, I never had even met, but she saw me riding every day bareback on a horse. She came up to me and she loaned me her leather saddle. And she said, keep it for as long as you want until, until you can get a saddle. And I had it for several months. She also, um, for $15, I bought her leather boots that were, were, were falling apart, but at least now I had boots to wear. Then I didn't know how to bandage the legs of a horse. I, I thought you just bandage one, but you, you know, you, you need a balance. You need to bandage both legs, either the front or the back. I didn't know that. And every day I would go there, really kind people would set me aside and, so that I wouldn't be embarrassed and just softly tell me, you know, this is the proper way to do it, or this is the proper way. And I learned the etiquette um, and, and how to take a care for a horse there. They were really, really nice to me in so many different ways. So yeah, it can be done. And then when my horse was sick uh, with the cancer and all this, and I was trying to figure out all the different treatments I could do, I would ride her bareback to La Carana where the vet was, and she never charged me. She said, you are doing a wonderful thing for this horse. 
and she saw how well the uh, how connected the horse and I were because my horse would never move. I wouldn't have to jump up on a bale of hay or whatever and then jump up on top of her to ride away. She never moved. She she would just stay still and wait for me. And so the vet said, no, I'm, I'm not charging you for any of the medicine or any of the treatment. Yeah, and your connection really showed too how she was with you and for you in that when you had that bee incident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible, yeah. that story too. Yeah, that she, oh my gosh, she's so much in my heart. We had just finished a five-hour ride bareback with just, um, I don't know what a bosal is called in, in English. Kind of like we a hackamore. It's, but a it, 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 it's much softer than a hackamore. Hackamores can be quite strong, but it's much softer. Just okay. It's bitless, bitless bridle. Okay, so we had the bitless bridle, bareback. We've been riding for five hours, literally in the mountains here in Escazú. I came down into the, the village next door to me and we were swarmed by wasps and they were just stinging us everywhere. So I, re, I remember I just got off Davina and I said, run. And, and literally, I mean, it's a one main street town. She's running down main street, you know? <laughs> and I'm knocking on a door saying, abre la puerta, abre la puerta, please open the door and let me in. And they're spraying um, like Bagon, a kind of an insect spray we have here. I say, spray me, spray me. But um, she was great because several blocks down, some people who knew the China, who rides in that area, they, they held her for me. And then I walked away after the Red Cross had looked at me and I was looking for my horse and the townspeople said, no, no, she's there, she's there. And when I got there, I said, okay, I'm not riding her. She's also been stung quite a lot. And she literally wouldn't move until I got on her. And then it's sort of like in the movies, I was just kind of hanging on her because my blood pressure had really plummeted with all the toxins and she got me home. Wow, she found her way home, took you home to safety. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's they're amazing. I uh, that's one horse I never met, Davina, and I would have loved to have met her. Yeah. So, what do you think? When when did you, when was that first moment? You know, you're looking at your horse and you're saying, "Hmm, I think I'm going to practice some yoga with my horse." What? How did how did that? What what brought you to that point? Saying, "I am going to practice yoga with my horse." I think in a very um, subconscious level I started with Davina because we would ride up into the mountains and then I would sit at her feet and just practice breathing you know it was it was pre-pre-meditation where um, I was really uh, just trying to get 10 breaths without distracting thoughts and I never made it past two I'd always <laughs> stop at two breaths at, in, in those days uh, but it started there not even knowing what the practice was, but it started with Davina. Then it, holy cow. I, I think I think it's when the light bulb went out that the more I cultivate the stillness in me, which is a yoga practice, the more connection, the more refined and deeper connection I can have with my horse. Um, I, I think that's how it started, Terry. And when, um, with Half Pint, did, when did you start? Um, that was another horse that you have that I know that I love Half Pint. He's my yeah, favorite yeah. little guy there. He's amazing. And you do so many amazing things with him. Um, I think it was with him that you started doing actually the practice of asanas first with him? Yes, yes. He would. What did he think about that? 
<laughs> what did he think about that? Yeah. You know what it is? Um, and again, I, in hindsight, I see what I was doing because now I'm, I'm, I'm more educated, but back then it was just a lot of intuitive uh, actions that I took and, and learning from different places here and there. But when Half Pine came to us, I remember thinking, okay, I, I, I really need to connect with him, but what does connection mean? And to me, I thought it, it means total trust between both of us, because that's what I had with Davina. But I had to actively think, how do I build trust with Half Pint? Um, and that's when we played with the ball. I think I've told you this before. He was really afraid of the exercise ball. So I said, okay, I'm not going to force the ball on him, but I'm going to show him through my actions that I will never force him to do anything. And so I would roll the ball towards him. And the minute he showed any kind, any source of tension, I would take the ball back. And we did this over and over again for days until he learned the ball was not the, the object. The, what the object was, will he trust my actions? And so as he learned to trust me that I will never force him, he accepted the ball more and more until the ball was bouncing on his back, rolling on his head. We played football, you know, together. We played basketball, things like that with the ball. And that to me was the, the connection that we needed. He learned, I will not force him. And from there, anything is possible. Any type of, of training or uh, like doing the yoga asanas. I knew when we had that connection, I could stand up on his back and he would not move because we had that connection. I knew that I could do a headstand in front of his body. Nothing would happen. I knew that I could crawl underneath between. That we just got, you got frozen again. I hope you come back. Hold on, Corinne. We can't hear you. You're stuck. Uh, Corinne lives up in the mountains in the center of Costa Rica. And I live down on the coast. And sometimes we have internet connections. So I'm so sorry about that. I hope you can come back. Corinne, I can't hear you. Corinne, are you there? Uh-oh. What happened here? Let's see. What can I do? She hasn't come back. Okay. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to see if we can reestablish connection. Oh, she has gone. Um, up here, we're coming back again. Oh, oh there, you there you are. Okay, I was I was checking my connection. Okay, you're you're back again. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah something happened there. Okay, good. You're back. Great. Okay. So we, we left off that, um, yes, you started, you, you, you felt uh, the trust, you had the complete trust and, and Half Pint trusted you. You know, saying that, I think that is the basis of all that we do with horses. And yoga is one of them. And often people ask me, how do you train your yoga, your horse, sorry, how do you train your horse to do yoga? And we don't train the horse to do yoga. You have to have the trust. And horses, if we, we can meet the horses where they are, if we, it's us we have to train, right? To, through our practice of yoga, which pran, uh, pranayama, our breathing exercises, 
all these different things um, are tools for us to bring us into that present moment. And then to be more aware of the horse and create that trust with our horse, showing him that he can trust us, that we will never make him do something that he is fearful of or uncomfortable or hurts him in any way. And once you have that trust, like my horses, well, we can do anything on top of them as well. Stand up. I've had this um, guy volunteer who was an acro, uh, did acro yoga, and he was doing headstands and splits on top of our horses, but the horse is completely trusted because we always start with that creating that moment of trust, bringing our energy, calming our energy so that we are focused, present, and aware. And that's what yoga does for horse people. So whether you're even right, if you're not even a, a yoga person, just having these simple tools of yoga will help, will help you become a better rider and create that connection. It's kind of like you don't know, is it the egg or the chicken first? But mm -hmm. the yoga helps us to be better horsewomen and horsemen. And having that connection with horses and our our time spent with horses helps us to find and discover ourselves and go deeper into yoga as well. So it is like you mentioned at the beginning of the of the of our talk here, how both of them are always intertwined. So we don't teach our horses to do yoga. We just right. create that trust. And you created that so lovely with Half Pint. I mean, he literally will do anything for you. He's such mm -hmm. a spunky little guy. He's really spunky and energetic too. So to, when he's calm, he's like because he's in such trust with you. Yeah. Right. And, and I think parallel to what you were um, just saying, Terry, it's very interesting to see um, in both of our experiences, I think, as we use the yoga tools of mantra, breathing or asanas, meditation, we really uh, see firsthand how the energy that we emit and the energy that the horses emit when they are in harmony not dissonance, but harmony, that's when you see that connection. And it's such an experiential activity because the horses don't lie. We can pretend we have one thing in our face and a different energy coming out from our heart, but, but the horses know. You, you, can't fake, you can't fake anything in front of them. And we've seen this with different people. I've seen it with myself when I am distracted. There's no way Half Pine and I are really together. And that's when I come away from our playtime feeling very frustrated if I can't figure out what to do, if I still stay distracted. But if I can come back to my yoga training and to all the tools that I know, then I say, okay, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit here for the next 15 minutes and breathe and come to a place that is attractive energy to the horse. Mm -hmm. then that vibration. Like, yeah. So I want to be with you now. So I, I, I love that that invisible energy that we can't see is, is truly at work and we see it manifested in our interactions. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to ask you some questions. You know, um, I know you had a, well, you had a very bad back injury. I think you actually broke your back, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think your doctors told you at the time that uh, uh, you might not be able to walk, let alone ride a horse. And I'd like to ask what, how yoga helped you there and how that connection with your horse pulled you through something so traumatic as breaking your back. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think both the connection with my horse and in my belief in the method of yoga those two things combined really helped me perceive the situation 
in a very positive light. So every injury I've had has helped me perceive myself not as this physical body that has limitations or, or expectations physically, but to see myself more and more as simply a consciousness. So this consciousness is not bound by gender, by age, by whether I can run a marathon or jump tall buildings. The consciousness is, is always there and pure, regardless of what this physical thing is going on. So in terms of helping me perceive the injury, my yoga practice really helped. And I changed my yoga practice. It used to be much more physical, more like an Ashtanga Vinyasa type thing or Hatha yoga. And I became much more interested in the pranayama and, and how to be aware of the subtle energies, which is a natural evolution of any yoga practice. But for me, I needed to be hit on the head really hard to evolve to that. And, and, and that's how I perceive many of my injuries. Um, I took that as an opportunity to evolve further um, in my yoga path. Then connection problem again. half pint at the time. And, and before that, Centea. Yeah, I had Centea before, I think, when I first broke my back. Uh -huh. You remember Centea? Yes, I do. I wrote um, her. Yes, yes. yes she was yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. She was a great horse, too. A very an incredibly gentle, gentle spirit. Very different from Davina and half pint. Um, But having the connection with the horse... It, it literally gave me strength because they were sharing their energy with me. Literally, I felt that they were sharing their energy with me. Physiologically speaking, for the type of injury I had, the movement of the horse was very therapeutic. Now, maybe for other injuries, it's not. I'm just saying for me, uh, going through two hip surgeries and then the back, the movement of the horse is good for me for my constitution. So physiologically, I had that, but on a, a subtle energy and spiritual point of view, what my horses shared with me gave me courage and hope to keep going and to find yeah. another path. Yeah, so through that, that they helped you to manifest that energy and make that energy happen, that sort of the positive vibrational energy happen for your healing. Yeah. And you talked about um, how the riding, um, Div not Divina, um, sorry, what was her name? Dantea. Uh, yeah, uh, riding her, how that helped you with your, your injuries. And you know, now they, they use that a lot after um, back surgery. They're using this equine therapy at a walk, of course, for the horses to realign the back, to realign the spine, yeah. and for hips as well, to balance the hips. And I found myself, like, I do have um, a lower back, uh, the it's the L5, L4 that pops out every now and then. And I really find if I get on my horse and just go for a walk in a straight line somewhere, that this gentle movement of rocking back and forth can often realign that spine and click it back into place. So it's like a gentle massage. And then all of a sudden, tick, it goes in. And they're, they're really using that now as therapy. So it, it's wonderful. And obviously now you're riding and you're doing yoga and everything else. So the yoga and horses really, really, I think, helped and saved you a lot from something so traumatic as a broken back. 
Yep. And I think too, you know, besides the back, um, with two hip replacement surgeries, what was really interesting is recovering from those surgeries and riding. As you say, the, the movement of your hips and being centered over your horse really helped me to break through some of the scar tissue from the surgeries and have balanced long legs on each side of the horse and having a squared hip, having my spine aligned over the pelvis, all those things happened. And I was able to be aware and refine the awareness of my body position by uh, riding a horse. Yeah, that is, it's, it is something. Um, so I, I also wanted to, what do you think if, um, being a, we've, we've talked a little bit about this already, about um, being a horsewoman and how it affects your yoga. We've talked about how yoga helps us as a horsewoman, but let's go a little bit into more of how being a horsewoman affects yoga. How did it, how did it change your yoga, your perspective of yoga, which at the beginning was much more physical yoga? coming from a background as gymnastic, et cetera, you had this sort of more temperament, more fire of pita as well. Yeah. And how did that energy of being a, a horsewoman, sorry, help a change? Someone's trying to call me. This is very annoying. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, how do you feel that changed your practice in yoga or yeah. affect it? It was very profound. It was extremely profound because it showed me in real time Every time I was with my horse, the power, the power of the subtle energy, the invisible energy that you don't see, that that was more powerful than being, being able to do a thousand sit-ups or 10 pull-ups or whatever it is, that the subtle energy is, is powerful. The physical body comes and goes, and that we know um, as we age, as we go through injuries, we know that. But what is constant and what you can really build upon is, is the strength of your subtle energy. And my, my experiences with the horses taught me that. Because as, as you said before, Terry, the lighter your age, the, the most subtle that you can communicate with your horse, you get incredible large uh, results or movements from the horse. But of course, you can never influence a horse simply by brute strength because they weigh two tons or whatever they weigh, right? So there's no way. And yet we can communicate with them in incredibly powerful ways through the subtle energy. And so I think having that, that proof of, of the subtle energy, the manifestation of it, the fact that it exists, really helped my yoga practice. It helped me change my perceptions and change my motivation and change the, the path where I want to go. And, and then from the yoga practice, when we're practicing the asanas, we're becoming, well, first of all, in pranayama, we're practicing um, these breathing exercises. And this is helping us to really feel our breath and where is our breath, right? Whether it's up, caught in our chest, light and anxious, or is it deep and quiet? And how this also reflects in our riding. And so when we're coming from the yoga perspective, again, we're changing on the flip side of it. 
we're, through the asana practice, the physical postures, we're learning to be aware of what our body feels. If that little finger, if there's more, um, more pressure in the index and the thumb, how, how we feel in our body, we become really aware of our physical body and our breath. And that makes us so much better horsemen too. Yes, yes. Before I met you, uh, when you, you know, when you met that first couple uh, with the Pasofinos that were talking about me doing yoga with horses, I had um, students at that time who could come to the studio. We had been doing a yoga practice for several months. And then I said, let's all do yoga with horses. So they followed me out to Krisha's place and we, we did a yoga class and then we rode horses. And it, some of the students were uh, had never ridden horses before or were very nervous. And we went when we went back to just breathing while we were walking through the jungle on the horses, they noticed such an acute difference in the ease with which they rode because they calmed down their breath, which calmed down the central nervous system, which changed the total vibration in their body, which was communicated to their horse. And all of a sudden their horse is no longer stiff like this. It was relaxed. And they noticed it in real time right there. Absolutely. And that is really how we can, how people can learn, right, to influence their horse through their breath, knowing where they're holding. Oh, that's my horse is running around and my dog's barking at them. Sorry. <laughs> they're in the garden having fun. Yeah. So that, that's really how we can, what was I saying there? I've kind of lost track. Yeah, how the yoga can also influence our horseback riding when we use the yogic techniques of pranayama and, and mantra. Or even um, I've done mandalas where we've made mandalas with certain colors and certain thoughts and visualizations in the arena with the horses. Oh my gosh, the energy changes really within 15 minutes or so. You see the difference in the horses and the people and then their connection. And think of it, that's why, because if they're doing mandalas and they're coloring, them, it's, not even, it's more than even just the colors. They're shifting and working with their, left, uh, their right brain, right? They're coming out of that logical left brain where judging, expectation, am I doing it right? What do I need to do? Oh, the horse is scary. Oh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not good enough. All these misconceptions where we fill ourselves up with and self-doubt. And when you start to draw and color, then you're shifting into your right brain into the intuition part, to the creativity, into your gut feelings, your emotions. And horses are always, mainly, they really work with their, with their right brain. And when we're shifted into the right brain, that's where also we create that, that more of that connection. So those are great practices for people to practice with horses. It's not just about doing the physical practices of yoga in the postures or the breath as well, and meditation, which are all amazing and these are all subjects within themselves to do on other podcasts. But um, it's also trying to find ways to shift our brain into the right brain. And it can be through the mandalas coloring. It can be through writing poetry or just drawing the horse or sitting quietly in meditation to get out of our, our, our busy left brain, logic, rational mind. And that's how, why the horses are attracted. And the, as soon as I've noticed too, when the students are doing their mandalas, the horses are like bees to honey. They come and they're looking and checking the colors. And sometimes they'll just sort of fall asleep nearby because the energy is switched. The human being is out of its rational, I've got to do the thing. And now it's quiet and peaceful and connected. Yep, yep. I was, I'm rereading, the, of course, I don't know how many times, the Sutras of Patanjali. And I really like the phrases, 
when they say that a yoga practice is, is about removing the obstacles that are in our way of clear perception. And that's what we do. And, and we see it in real time with the horses. We're just removing those obstacles. Absolutely. So that the, the true consciousness can shine forth. That true consciousness. And we really see our true selves and not sort of hidden behind that, that veil of illusion, the Maya, the stories, all these stories we create that that person thinks this about us or that, or if I do that, that will happen. I mean, all day long, we are creating stories that aren't even happening, that the other person is totally unaware. And so, yes, these are all um, ways to, to discover ourselves. And horses are great masters and teachers at leading us to that place as well. And I also wanted to talk because I know a lot of people get a lot of misconceptions about what yoga and horses is. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have this podcast. A lot of people will see these fancy photos with people doing acrobats on top of the horses, you know, beautiful young women or men looking amazing and strong and can do crow and headstands and on the horses. And it's really not about that at all. It's fun to do and it's a challenge to put yourself towards if you want to push yourself a little bit more out of your comfort zone. But it's not the all end. The all end really is finding that connection with ourselves and that connection with our horse to have a more harmonious life for ourselves and with our horse. And it can help us in many ways. And I just wanted to have your take on what you feel about these misconceptions and how you um, maybe explain to people what, it, what it's about and what it's not about. It's a big topic, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, it, it's you know very similar to what you just said. Uh, yoga is not about touching your toes. Yoga on horses is not about standing on top of a horse. But you know, okay, so yeah, that's very easy to say. But what what really is yoga? Let's remember, yoga truly is a methodology. It, it there are eight steps that kind of intermingle. You don't have to do it from one to eight. You can kind of intermingle them. But it truly is a methodology to understand who you are. How do we know who we are? By get rid of, by systematically getting the obstacles out of our way so we have a clear perception, so we can really perceive who we are. Horses help us have a clear perception because as you just said, they live in, in an emotional uh, moment by moment life. That's how they view life. And some of the obstacles that we have in our way is that, as you said, we make up all these stories about ourselves, about our identity, who we think we are, that may or may not be true. So when we're with a horse to have true communication, we peel back all those layers of stories to be truly honest with who we are. Oh, guts. Oh, yep. To be yeah, a little bit stuck. For who we are. Okay. And the horses will let us know if we're being truthful or not. And that's so great about it. They won't let you lie. There will be some signal from them, whether it's a subtle signal of them turning their head away, or if it's a subtle signal of them leaning into you. But they will let you know, or or they may even just run away. I've had I I've, I've <laughs> seen it, where the the woman was so struggling 
with understanding who she was, that her energy was all over the place and it was so unattractive that the horse literally stayed away for at least 30 minutes. So uh, that's where I say, when we, when we try to explain what is yoga with horses, let us remember that yoga is the method to know who we are. And horses are an incredible teacher that you can't lie in front of, that they really encourage you to take that journey. And we all take it in different steps. We all take it, it looks a little bit different and unique to each one of us. But horses help us on that journey to really understand and be honest and have the courage to be honest, to know who we are. Now, I love that explanation. Really, you, you couldn't have conveyed it better. It's, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So we're coming near the end of our podcast here. I have one more um, thing to ask you, Corinne. What would you, like, if, what would you like to convey to our listeners what you feel is the most essential part of being a yogi horsewoman. If you could say it just in a few words, what is the most essential part for you to be a yogi horsewoman that you would like to let the others know, that, 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 that ingredient? Oh, boy. Um, well, let me preface it by saying, of course, whatever I say is, is colored by my own life experiences and biases and past lives, right? So for me, it is, wait, what's the question again? <laughs> if you could convey to your list, your, our listeners what you feel is the most essential part of being a yogi horsewoman. What is the most essential part? Courage, faith, and honesty. Great. And, and not in that order. I think they're all equally important. Oh, I don't know who said it. You may know a very famous horseman once said, we have to have the courage to ask our horse. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same thing in your yoga practice. You have to have the courage to ask yourself, where, where do I want to go on this path? And where does that path lead me? Even when you don't know where, it, where it's going sometimes, that's where faith comes in. And then the honesty to, to take the first steps and stay on the path. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I think that could help a lot of our listeners out there. And I hope everyone's enjoyed our first podcast of Yogi Horsewoman. And we're going to be continuing this, um, uh, do you say, two times a month. And uh, we'll have Corin. we'd love to have you back again to talk about subjects, maybe a particular topic more deeply as we go into it and different things as we go along. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been really nice talking with you. And I love hearing your point of view and your feelings and your depth on the subject. Corinne has, ama she is ama has amazing depth in the philosophy of yoga as well. And she has definitely taught me a lot through the years. So thank you so much. And thank you, Jerry. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. All the best. Namaste. Namaste.